Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Should we go ahead and start, or? I mean, we can. We can. We, we don't have to, but. <laughs> <laughs> we can do whatever we want. We can do whatever we want. It's the beauty of podcasting. Because it's our podcast. It's our podcast. I really, this Swan Sanchez who's listening, or who's reading New Spring for the first time, <gasps> I, I have to pay attention to her because she seems really funny. And, mm-hmm. uh. This where she said the enemy will come back to it, but I was like, I just I want to follow you. I mean, Moraine I already do. practicing as uh, M- Moraine practicing I said I way of speaking and failing. So cute. Guitar moment. Chills. I don't know why I was pondering so deeply, but I thought what I what I do if I were Moraine and Swan, it's a huge responsibility. I can't imagine how they felt when they met Rand. Yeah, for sure. I love that you're pulling pulling like tweets and stuff up because people get so excited. <laughs> Did you see when they when they hear or they see like oh, I was mentioned? Uh, Matt's bloody eye patch. <laughs> yeah, that was delightful. I like mm-hmm. I tapped Andrew. I was like, Andrew, look at this. How cute is this? <laughs> but I mean, that's exactly one of the reasons why I want to do it. Is like. Mm-hmm. This is such a good community, and it deserves to, like, have, I don't know, extra discussion around it, I guess. I don't know. It's just, it's been really fun and friendly, and I I probably once a day going through my Twitter account will read someone saying how friendly and open and supportive yeah. and inclusive the Wheel of Time community is, and I just think that that is this rarity at the moment to be able to find something that feels wholesome Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I mean not even like wholesome feels like baking bread and apple pie and shit I don't know maybe wholesome isn't the right word but it just feels good I've appreciated it so I really liked that one and I thought it would be really fun to kind of chat because I had never thought about what it would be like to be Maureen and Swan meeting Rand for the first time. Especially thinking about, okay, Maureen has spent way more time with him. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of like bringing him to Swan, like thinking like, uh uh-oh, like I hope she feels about him the same way that I do. Like I'm sure she's hoping that they're on the same level, Mm -hmm. but they haven't seen each other for so long. And then Lan brings him in like in a totally different, (laughs) <laughs> like he's on a whole different level than he usually is and Lan brings him in like strutting around and Moraine is probably just like oh my god god damn it Lan <laughs> and she just she, I mean she just can't win mm-hmm. this whole time she's trying to get these kids out you know out of from Emmons Field all the way to Tarvalin, and it's like herding kittens. Yes. Matt's like, oh, I'm going to go pick up this freaking dagger. And he's like sick, like poisoned from, you know, this dagger magic. And he's like, well, he, 
you said not to take anything if it was given to us. I just, right. you know, took this. I just took it. There's a yeah. total difference, Moraine, you dummy. I would yeah. love to get more Moraine. Um, this is something that I hope the show does. I hope we get more, and I'm sure we will, Moraine point of view where everyone around her is just doing these completely idiotic things. And she's just trying to keep it together. She's just trying so hard. This is what she has worked for for so long. 20 and years. And everyone's just acting like maniacs. <laughs> it's, it's like a carnival. And you know what? At the same time, it absolutely makes sense that that would be their behavior. They're kids. Right? Yeah. They're, they've never I mean, left their little farm village. Exactly. And you've got all of these things that are happening to them. And I mean, really, they're they're kids. Like my my son is roughly the same age as these main characters are. And let I mean, let's be honest, Aiden is exceptional, but he is still <laughs> he's been a, he's been a little adult since he was 12. Come on. <laughs> Maybe Aiden isn't the Aiden best would example. be Aiden would have been like orchestrating the trip like now Matt. I see what you're trying to do here. <laughs> And it's clearly a terrible idea. Clearly. Come on, bro. Let's uh oh. let's think about this and, a little bit. Yeah, and then oh, and then Egwene is just like, oh, I'm gonna be a nice Adai. Yeah, like that's the only thing that she's focused on. Nynaeve is like, I hate everyone. She wants to murder Moraine, and then at the same time she's just lusting after Lan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So Which, good. Oh my gosh, that goes into this week so Oh my well. god. Because I'm, how, I mean, right, like, Lan confirmed as a hottie, right? I mean, I've always felt that he was, but after reading these two chapters, I'm like, oh man, Lan um, is... I'm, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I put it in our notes someplace where I was like, I've never thought of Lan as romantic before. But I suddenly very much see him as exactly that. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. And I don't even know if it's—I don't even know if it's romantic or if it's just like he's so confident, you know, mm-hmm. like his, outward, his, outwardly confident. His adherence to his culture, who he like sees as who he is at the very root of who he is, and yeah. how that, like, through his point of view chapters, these are, these were. These were so good. So I mean, good. really. I and I'm fairly certain we do not have at this point with New Spring when it was written, like we did not have any point of view chapters with Lan in the books at this point. So no, this is our first so. time seeing Lan, but at this oh I can't. I can't say what I was going to say. That would just be like super spoiler heavy. Tracy, shut up. Um, but <laughs> it's, it is really exciting to get this insight on someone who has had a really deep impact on Rand in particular. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's been so good. So yeah. Um, so now we, we start. Should we get to it? Yeah. Let's get to it. Do you? I'm, do we want to say hello? I always feel weird around the hellos. Hello! <laughs> hey, guys! <laughs> Awkward. Do you want to start? Oh, I do. I'm sorry. I'm so used to it being you that I didn't even look at our names <laughs> next to it. 
like, oh, wait, is she waiting for me? <laughs> it's okay. It is okay. Hello, and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Amber. And I'm here with my friend Tracy. And this is The Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast recapping the books, uncovering fan theories, discussing the upcoming TV show on Amazon Prime, and unpacking this incredible series. Yay! Yay! Today we are recapping and discussing chapters 15 and 16 of New Spring. It's all about land, baby! (laughs) So to start out, we are on chapter 15, and it's called Into Can Loom. Oh, I just, wait, before we get started, I want to make sure that we uh, say that the first half will be spoiler-free. The second, the spoiler episode will follow the ad. And that we have like a couple Twitter things that we're going to discuss towards the end of the episode as well. That would be fun to stick around for. So yeah, uh, yeah. So for now, um, we talked a little bit, you know, before we get into these chapters, things that might be spoilery up until, you know, the end of Eye of the World. So but for now, heading back. Or I guess forwards a new spring. Um, it's Lan and Bukama entering Canloom, which is a town located within the borderlands. Um, and so this is this is chapter fifteen, right? Yes. Okay. The opening line of chapter fifteen is so good. I want to. How? I just want to find how it. like flowery and poetic are these two chapters? They Some are of the beautiful. writing in these two chapters are just oh gorgeous. It's so, gorgeous. It's so good. So the first, <laughs> the first line to chapter fifteen is, the air of Candor held the sharpness of new spring. One land returned to the lands where he had always known he would die. Yeah, boom. Well, okay then. All yeah. right. And, and I that, was like, oh. that sentiment gets repeated so heavily in yeah. these two chapters. And how cool is that? That it's just right there in the first, you know, sentence there a shout out to New Spring, right? Like the book title. Exactly. That's really cool. I, I was like, oh, there's just so many levels. This, this one <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Have I mentioned Robert it's Jordan? So nice. is a genius. I don't think anyone would disagree with that, though. Good Lord. I, I have to say, out of, you know, the whole series, these two chapters in particular read like something out of like a poetry book or something. It's just so there's there's so many flowery descriptions of, you know, the passage of time Mm -hmm. and honor and death and life. And it's just Ooh, it's so good. And it's custom so good. and tradition. Yeah. Passed on yes. for centuries. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's these two chapters were good. And it's such a great like insight into the Borderlands because we don't really spend that much time there in the main series. We have a lot of Borderland characters, but mm-hmm. um and I, I believe I I'm thinking it's been a couple months since Moraine has left the White Tower. I was thinking that as well. Like, if... Because, obviously, you know, they said that they were going to... Lan and Bukamo said that they were going to take a rest for a couple months, and now they're finally making it back into the borderlands. Mm -hmm. So now it's finally spring, and the trees are, you know, have new leaves, and the wildflowers are growing, and Lan 
notices that it's still quite cold. And Lan is just thinking to himself, he's almost home. Mm-hmm. And as they're riding into this town, Canloom, uh, we get a description of these gray high walls and, you know, women's outfits and what they're wearing and their how their hair is styled and how they're wearing wide trousers. And Lan thinks if they will be having a Beltine dance or a feast which is such a cool throwback to Eye of the World. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a bustling city. There's lots of merchants and farmers. um, And there's also bandits that are taking... And this is chapter 16, The Deep. But within Canloom, there is a section of the city called The Deep where there are, you know, bandits and... The, the unsavory <laughs> criminals. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the town is kind of in an uproar because there are rumors of a man that can channel. So very oh, yeah. interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we do get a mention of Lan's horse named Cat Dancer, which is so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, I guess, pre-Mandarb era. Ooh, yeah. Good point. And Bukama is super grumpy. He can't ride his horse. There's something, his horse injured, needs a new shoe. I don't remember. Yeah. Something's going on. So Bukama's just walking along the side of his horse, and he's super grouchy. Mm-hmm. And they are drawing the attention from pretty much everyone they encounter in this town because it's two men wearing a hidori. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, is the thin strip of braided leather that Malkiri men wear. Mm-hmm. And Bukama says, fools, do they think we are bandits? That we do that we mean to rob the lot of them on the high road? <laughs> and so Bukama is such a like grouchy <laughs> He's crotchety. Like, yeah, he's he a is crotchety, crotchety guy. Like, mm. In the best way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lan is just being really quiet. He's just thinking that he's almost there. He's almost home. He's almost back to the blight. And he thinks that even though he's been at war with the Aiel this whole time, that being in the South has softened him. Mm -hmm. So this really shows how tough borderlanders are. Right. For him to think just from being... From being away from home, even though he was in a war against the Aiel, that against he's the Aiel, yeah, uh, right. You know, they're those pussies, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So we get more of a look into Canloom and its defenses. It seems to be pretty heavily fortified. There's guarded bridges as well, mm-hmm. and. They mentioned that Trolloc raids have never made it inside the walls. Mm -hmm. So that's a good, you know, I would feel pretty safe. Mm -hmm. And then other things that are mentioned as well that kind of go into this is that the law within these areas is that you can't cover your face within the city. Mm -hmm. So I believe this is a a callback to Merdral, I think. Yeah, that, yep. And... Yeah, so they so they they take things really seriously there. Um, they also make sure that at night it's well lit, and mm-hmm. so like there aren't shadows for Merdral to be able to creep move around in and in. out in. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
and there's guards in all of the towers and the guards are also searching wagons and they seem to be doing an all right job. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get another quote. I really loved this one. I, I almost want to quote every other <laughs> paragraph in this chapter. There was a uh, lot. Yeah. Two years is a long time in the borderlands. A great many men could die in two years. That was when I underlined too. So, yeah. So how, I mean, it's it's almost depressing mm-hmm. that this, when he's returning home, these are the things that Lana's thinking. Just like he's so ready to be back and he's so, you know, I don't want to say happy to be home, but he, it's his duty. So he feels called to it. Mm-hmm. And this is just what we keep hearing over and over about the borderlands, how tough you have to be to live there. Mm-hmm. And for Land to think, like, this is my duty. I'm finally back. He's happy to be back and happy to die if needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lan, yeah. And Land tells Bukama, you know, be easy, be easy, because the guards are eyeing them. Mm-hmm. But eventually, of course, they're recognized. And... A young guard basically comes, you know, running to them and bows. Um, and he uses Lan's royal title. And mm-hmm. he says, Taishar Malkir. And he's basically like, I'll stand beside you, Lan. And Bukama is not having any of this BS. <laughs> and in typical Bukama fashion, he totally <laughs> takes offense to this young man and he chastises him. And he's like, Look at you, you wear your hair short. You're no Malkiri man, and your mm-hmm. hair's not even bound. And he's also kind of like knocks him on the chest, and he's like, and what are you wearing? The sigil of Candor. Like, you you know, you're not from Malkiri. You've sworn allegiance to Candor, so mm-hmm. back up. <laughs> and <laughs> he's, you know, just going off. Like, you have no claim to call yourself a Malkiri. Mm-hmm. And as this is going on, people are watching and, you know, they're kind of starting to shout and the city is just on edge and Bukama is just staring down this kid and eventually an officer approaches and he's someone that Lan and Bukama both know. His name is Alan Soroku Mm -hmm. and he's polite enough, but, you know, he tells them that he has to be strict about keeping peace within the city and we find out what is creating all of the hostility is basically that um, Alan says, the city is on edge. All these takes of a man channeling are bad enough, but there have been murders in the streets this last month and more. In broad daylight and strange accidents, people whisper about shadow spawn loose inside these walls. So things aren't as good as it seems mm-hmm. and for a city that's so militantly obsessed with security mm-hmm. things aren't looking great yeah so i think we're gonna see you know some some things are i think gonna go down <laughs> <laughs> i have a feeling yeah i i have a feeling um <laughs> and Bukama explains, you know, his mishap with the young guard, and he kind of just says, look, it was all my fault. And then he makes a really strongly worded oath to this um, guard, Mm -hmm. and he basically swears to never draw his sword inside the city. Mm -hmm. And this catches Lan and Alan 
off guard. Mm-hmm. And it caught me off guard too, but okay. Yeah. Um, and so they're eventually allowed to pass. And as they're moving uh, along, there was oh, actually go ahead. like there was a part of that that I feel really speaks to what we have an impression of around the borderlands, and that's its mm-hmm. level of tradition and formality and custom. And so after Bukama makes this pledge, there are like these little things that Lan and Sor- Soroku, Soroku mm-hmm. do where like then Lan responded with equal forma- formality touching hilt and heart. Yeah, um, touching hilt of a sword and then heart. Yeah, and the other, like, you said, like, how you wanted to underline so many things, like, mm-hmm. and yeah. how, this like... this was one of them, too. Yeah. I fought so hard not being like, okay, I'm just going to read this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> but then the one, like, the line that, that follows is how, so... Land's response had been, there's peace in the mother's last embrace. May she welcome us home one day, Soroku finished. No one really wished for for the grave, but that was the only place to find peace in the borderlands. I wrote that down, too. So, I mean, it just, like, that... How depressing, you know? And at the same time, like, there's this level of formality and courtesy that goes into everything that they do that every pledge every oath even just something i mean it it seems simple just to say okay i won't draw my sword within the city but they have a whole you know almost ritual yeah about it yeah um but i feel like it's almost a balance to the level of violence that they face is this like more strict order around how they behave yeah something has to keep you going Mm -hmm. i mean but i was just like man fucking borderlanders fuck yeah (laughs) Yeah. anyway sorry i just the oh no i love i love that like formality that pulls in through through this chapter it's one of the things that makes it feel kind of poetic and definitely yeah i just enjoyed it so land sees many Aes Sedai within the city and takes notes that as as of late there seems to be more of them flooding in and out and he says this might have something to do with the Amerlin that has just died. Mm-hmm. And wonder, I wonder wh- I wonder what Aes Sedai could have fled Tarvalon because the Amerlin died. Right. I wonder what's happening. <laughs> it, it possibly couldn't be a Black Aja insurgent takeover. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Um, he's, okay, so he as he notices all of these Aes Sedai, he starts walking quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and trying not to make eye contact with any of them. Yeah. Which is so funny. He knows that his Hidori could make him a target of any Aes Sedai looking to bond a warder. Yeah. And he was reminded of sisters who have done just that, but without asking permission. So I want to talk about this later, about how important the Hidori is within the borderland cultures. Yes. Because there's... Not a lot of people anymore that wear them. I think within the whole series, we might see five ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it has this reputation, and it's almost like we're supposed to know it already. And right. I don't feel like we really get a full description of it. I don't know. Yeah, I do. I want to talk about it too. Okay. Um, 
And Lan also notices women walking around with their faces covered, which scary because this goes against Borderland law and he's confused why the other Malkiri aren't reacting to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and up, at, up until this point, you know, we're kind of seeing all of this action going around and it's kind of like being in a beehive. There's all of this, all of these little things, you know, going on around us and... At this point, Lan and Bukama decide not on staying in the Lord's Manor and that they'll stay within the city, which mm-hmm. I'm also thinking this is really awkward because after this, you know, guard is telling them, you know, there's been murders and blah, 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 and talks about Merdral or, you know, Shadow Spawn, who knows. And they're like, nah, let's not stay in the Lord's Manor. Let's stay, you know, in the bad part of town where all the crime happens. Okay, why not? I guess we have to make the story interesting. (laughs) Yeah, but... And that concludes chapter 15. Yeah. Unless there was anything you would like to add. Um, Just that Lan's recognition, his reputation throughout this, this chapter is something that definitely comes out in the series as well and like if they were like they would have had welcome at any noble home and he even talks about how like there would be feasts and hunts and like social gatherings because of who he is um Mm -hmm. and i sometimes forget that about lan i almost feel like he's he doesn't he doesn't want he doesn't it's almost like he doesn't want to be a burden Mm -hmm. and I almost feel like he knows that he was born to do one job and that was from the oath that he took you know to go to war against the blight like Mm -hmm. he knows that this is the end of his story that's why he's here he he knows his own story he knows his path and I think this is one of the things that makes him so attractive to people is because they're like, oh, that's a man who knows what he, what he wants and what he's going to do. You know, he's he's just like an arrow. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's almost like he doesn't want to be a burden on anyone. And I think he knows in his, you know, heart of hearts that if he draws the banner, he's going to get so many people killed. Yeah. Because you know, people will follow him into this war, and I almost feel like he wants to shut himself off from the world mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. But yeah, which is what Lan would do, but then what ends up happening in chapter 16. <laughs> I love yeah. this chapter. I loved it. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> um, the deeps. The deeps. So, choosing to stay away from the nobility of the city, Bakama and Lan head off to find an inn. And, I like, the areas of town that they're in right now, it feels like it's shoulder-to-shoulder packed people. Like, there are many people in the streets yeah, at this time. Yeah. And he he feels uh, unseen fingers brushing against his coat. Pickpockets. Yeah. To, <laughs> to which, I mean, you... Must be a really brazen pickpocket to go after Lan or Bukama. But maybe just being deadly is 
so much the norm in the Borderlands that they're like, eh, it's either this guy or the other guy that would kill me if he caught me. Right. So, well, I'm just surprised that they wouldn't see two men wearing a hodori and being like, nah, nah, I'm not gonna mess with that. Um, but who knows? Maybe they just have no idea who they are. Maybe these are just you know like lowly street merchants. They that, have no idea. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean. Why else would you do it? You'd have to be insane. <laughs> it feels a little death wishy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, do I want to? Do I want to eat, or do I want to die? Would be right. the question I would ask myself before making that choice. Mm-hmm. But what I find interesting about this is Lance not really worried about losing his money because if he needs more, he can just go to any bank, banker, whatever in Candor. Or, and get more money. And yeah, I he said he can put his lands up against loan or something. Yeah, he has matter. he has estates in Shyanar, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that produce a revenue for him that he has access to. So that's cool. But it also makes me think about how Moraine also has this like almost cavalier attitude towards money. Yeah. Like he's not worried yeah. about losing his money, he's worried about losing the time it would take to replace <laughs> that money. Right. I just find that interesting. So they visit a few places. The city is packed. There is no room. There is no room at the inn. But they come into (laughs) why does this this always happens? (laughs) Our characters like no room at the inn until they get pushed to exactly the right inn. The blue rose. The blue rose. What a great name for an inn. Sounds like a brothel. Maybe it is. Actually, this woman does not seem to run a brothel to me. And yeah. So Bukama is basically sexually assaulted the moment he walks in the door. <laughs> she just like slaps him, grabs him, gives him a big old kiss and then like punches him. You know? This is how we say hello. <laughs> and this is a very typical Borderlands hello. Well, we see this. I mean, uh, how many times do we see this with Fail though? Like, yeah. this nature of just um, being the aggressor. Mm-hmm. And a, a cross <laughs> between violence and everything else. So, yes. <laughs> yes. But I really, I, I just thought that that was hilarious so she's mad because she hasn't heard a word from bukama in six years but yes this, she's like six, six years. years no six word years fucker <laughs> what the fucking fuck uh she doesn't actually say that <laughs> what's her name right Rissella. Rissella. yeah but she's uh but bukama's you know like Mr. Chill Pants about it, and it was like, it's good to see you too, Rissell. Like, okay. So cool, I guess, you know? I guess they know each other. Right. Okay, so during this this makeout scene, Lan hears a voice behind him, and it is his oldest friend except Bukama, uh, Ryan Venomar. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan is Malkiri, but he has given up... <laughs> I got a feeling about this guy. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Ryan dresses as an Arafelin, and so he has, like, the two braids with the bells on the end, and the only thing that he wears at this time that kind of distinguishes him as someone 
of Malkyrie descent is how he carries his sword, I believe. Is this is this not a little bit strange, though? I mean... I think it... I mean, I don't think that it would be 100% common for someone to still continue to do that. And I think this is why Bukama has this dislike for him, is, like, he's given up everything else, but he's holding on to this one thing, and this is the one thing that he's chosen right. to hold on to. Right. It's It's almost like... Since Malkir is gone, it's almost as if Bukama is just pissed knowing that this culture is slowly dying. Mm -hmm. And when he sees people holding on to just, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to claim to be Malkiri, but I'm going to wear the sigil of, you know, Kandor or whatever. He's like, his brain is exploding. Like, Mm -hmm. you little shits. Well, (laughs) and this is... This is the second person in this chapter who comes up who can be distinguished in that in that way as someone who had been Malkiri and now is dressed Some, in, a, in a different yeah. fashion entirely. So, Ryan, is it Ryan? Rin? I would, I would say, say Ryan. Okay. That's how I, yeah, that's how I thought it would sound in my head anyways (laughs) yeah same okay cool um so the other name that gets mentioned is nazar kurinen kurinen Mm -hmm. and his name does kind of like pop up through this chapter at different places like the first time they see him and like bukama just kind of looks past him and lan is like what's going on with bukama because he totally would have railed against seeing that guy like had it been any other time Mm -hmm. and now ryan is this other guy who has given up everything Malakiri in his appearance, which would also make Bukama dislike him. So just things to keep in mind. Lan apparently is quite the ladies' man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I He's like died. fucking catnip to I the died. ladies. Yes. Yes. I, mm-hmm. I was not expecting that. I think I kind of was because I think I always kind of felt that Lan – it's just his demeanor. He's so, like, gruff, you And know? self-possessed. Yeah. He knows exactly what he stands for. Yeah. And I think that's just attractive. Yeah. <laughs> like, if that guy takes attention away from whatever that is to pay attention to you, like, okay. Like, mm-hmm. that feels worth pursuing. And women do. And I this... <laughs> This section, this them walking into the this inn and Bukama. I don't mean being, to giggle so much, but this whole part, this whole chapter so, makes me giggle like a little girl. It, it's <laughs> so like, oh. lively. Like I feel like yeah. this is the liveliest epitome of a bar room scene yes. that I've read in the yes. Wheel of Time series. And it's just like, I don't know. It's so refreshing and flowery and and oh, active and bright and sexual. Yes. Which uh so Lan and Ryan sit down, they get themselves something to drink, and the barmaid is uh <laughs> she is aggressive. Yeah. Yes. Assertive in assertive. her and her approach to Lan at some... she there's no shame whatsoever. She goes straight up to him and she's like, "You're gonna be in my bed tonight." Yeah, basically. Yeah, and she so what's she her name? Says, Do we have her name? Lyra. Lyra. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, like, she makes it obvious that he can 
hang out with her tonight. And he's trying to be like, oh, no, I'm tired and all I want to do to sleep. But she does not let him finish. And Mm -hmm. in the book, it says, by tomorrow, she announced in a throaty voice and loudly, I'll have honored you till your knees won't hold you up. Raucous laughter flared at the tables around them. (laughs) Raucous! Robert Jordan. (laughs) Oh. Sassy. Goodness. I mean, we do not we do not get much of this in the normal, you know, Wheel of Time series. It, it's so different. Yeah. Usually when there's usually when there's something sexual involved, we get kind of a hint to it, but it's never laid out just flat like that. Yeah. And I the other part that I really liked about this is again, it pulls in the culture that Lan has been raised in and how that makes him respond to certain situations like this. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Land raised by Bukama and his friends in Shayanar had been surrounded by a small community who held some Akiri ways. If Lyra did share his bed tonight, as seemed certain, she would discover there was nothing shy or retiring about him once they were bed. Yet the woman chose when to enter that bed and when to leave. Hot. Right? Hot. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's like a it's like a romance novel. I my my cheeks are warm. It's hot up here. I'll honor Whew. you until your knees won't hold you up. Robert Jordan, you dog. It's I just so anyway, like I feel and I've seen this on Twitter a couple times where people talk about how New Spring feels like an entirely different book. It and does. It really it does. does. It's And again, just testament to Robert Jordan being a genius that he can – and it still is just 100% Wheel of Time. It's oh, yeah. still absolutely what it needs to be. Anyway, so I it, – It makes me so sad that this is the only one that we get. Yeah. Fan fiction. That's what fan fiction <laughs> is for. I don't know if I want to read, you know, someone's chapters on like sexy land <laughs> or, you know, like this is enough for me. But <laughs> maybe if I I'd have to be in a mood, but you never know. You never know. You never know. So all of this happens and then Ryan basically drops a bomb on Lan and is like, so hey. By the way, uh, the golden the golden crane has been raised in your name. What up? Yeah. So someone has <laughs> raised the banner. This lady, what is her name? It's Lady Eden Errol. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Eden. 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 In my head, I said Eden, but I I don't know why it just felt easier. Eden. Okay. Um. But. So he tells he tells Lan that this has happened and that she's ready to like it, in the book it says all ready to carve Malkier out of the blight again. So ooh. Oh. I'm, I'm sensing some my spider senses are tingling. Yes. This whole chapter is just okay. We get all this, like, crazy, fun, sexual stuff, and now it goes into almost, like, another 
conspiracy type situation. Absolutely. And what I really liked about this was he was like, oh, that explains why people are looking at me funny. I'm the king of Malkir and my banner has been raised and this is the first time And I'm just hanging out in a tavern. Yeah, with my best dude who just got like, he's been dragged upstairs by Russell, the innkeeper at the Blue Rose. Maybe it is a brothel. Um, <laughs> so this this really like I don't want to. Ima- s- can you imagine though, just being this like long lost prince? He's he's kind of like a an Anastasia, you know? Like <laughs> he's been gone all this time in this war. Comes back. He's bumming around in this. You know, he is specifically little... avoiding the nobility. Right. And they're like, oh, by the way, your well, what's left of your country has like called a war banner. Yeah. And you're I, just chilling. Yeah. That that war against the blight that you've been wanting to do, guess someone, what? Someone called raised the banner to do it without <laughs> you. Who does that? That's pretty brazen, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and like it, you don't even check with him first. It comes in later in the book that she did that after they had received mm. news that he was dead, right? Conspiracy. Yes, exactly. Conspiracy. So now not only do most of these people think that Lan is dead, they also know that he is king to Malkir, and right. they know that this woman who thought that Lan was dead has been She's now like, hey, guys, let's go fight in the Blight and regain Malakir without Lan knowing about it. Do not let me forget, because after this chapter is over, I have to talk about this. This is just crazy stuff. Yeah. So anyway, this does not upset Lan just for the fact that his banner has been raised. This woman has significant attachments to Lan and Mm -hmm. he to her. And he thinks at this news, always she liked standing in the heart of the storm. And I mean... How beautiful is that? That mental image that comes along with that. It's like a Joan of Arc, like... (laughs) Yeah. Sword raised, hair streaming, strong. But does this this not say about something about the type of women that Lan likes, (laughs) right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Always she likes standing with her braid in the storm. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so Lan's already feeling off balance. Like he's felt like his time in the South fighting the Aeol, his vacation just hanging out (laughs) yeah (laughs) that this like has softened him and i mean they did do some like bumming around in the southlands before they decided to head north but for land to feel like he's lost his edge just uh, okay uh and the Mm -hmm. upcoming moment is going to prove how sharp his edge still is good lord no pun intended Mm, no no (laughs) so he walks off to the stable and he's using, like, just the pretense of checking on their horses and whatnot mm-hmm. to clear his head. And there's a, a groom's person in there cleaning out the stalls and everything who keeps kind of, like, staring at him. And he's like, "Is she? Well, I don't understand. 
why is she afraid of me? And this, I loved this because, like, we mentioned earlier how Lan had told Rand, like, that specific way of walking when he's on his way to meet the Amaralyn. He realizes that he had been walking in the stance called Leopard in the High Grass used when there were enemies on all sides. Yes. So, subconsciously, he's just... He was stalking. Yes. And, like, this poor... This poor woman is, like, trying to, like, muck out the stables while Sir Deadly's over there, like, (laughs) what the fuck, Lan? (laughs) Come on now. Uh, But that's what I love about him. Maybe she was just like, that's hot. (laughs) And he didn't get it. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure in this time they weren't talking like Paris Hilton. That's hot. She was like those calves, those well-turned calves. <laughs> How about them shoulders? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I loved that. Um, and he his thoughts are all about Eden, um, and he realizes that he's he needs to calm down. So he sits down. <laughs> Um, and I, I love this. Yes. So this is, this is the, the first, the Kodai. Oh, no, Kodai. no, no, no. Yeah. This is the first time that we see this in New Spring and how Lan uses it for himself and how, like, this is one of those things that when he and Rand first meet and Rand says, should we wait till Shh, Tracy, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sw- <laughs> you can't see me but I'm like swinging my arms around. No. Don't do it. Don't do it. Save that for later. See, this is always so hard. I I usually keep a notepad with me just for this reason as we're talking. I'm like, "Oh, I don't want to forget about this." Yeah. We'll come back to that. Anyway, okay. Um, so he assumes the Kodai and this is his way of finding calm and emptiness. It's a uh, a meditation form. And while he's sitting in the Kodai, he pulls out a heavy gold signet ring, which if you've read in the series, has a very specific place in the series. Mm-hmm. What I really liked about the description of this ring, and I don't know, maybe... This was sh- so cool. Yeah. This was so cool. I mean, even, I can't help it. I'm such a history geek that even if it's made up history, I'm like, ooh, I love (laughs) that. (laughs) And so he talks about how this ring has been made over and over again for over 900 years. And that maybe just. Not just that it's been made over and over again, but they, what it seems like is they melt it down and Mm -hmm. then reform it and melt it down and reform it. And every time they do this, a little bit of the original metal from the ring is reused. And he thinks maybe some of this ring still might be 3,000 years old or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's something that he feels, and I, I would feel this too, that it directly links him to the kings in his past, like yes, his ancestors. Yes. And I really... I really appreciated that attention to detail and that story to that ring because it does have a significant I, place in the series. Do these two chapters not feel like they are the culmination of like four years worth of just notes? 
like these two chapters themselves feel like they had been written over the period of like years and years just Mm -hmm. perfected Mm -hmm. and if you just read it once you lose all of these just fancy flower I keep saying flowery but I don't know another way to describe it it's like poetry Mm -hmm. it's just beautiful it has a beautiful format these chapters were thoroughly enjoyable to read yeah so first he goes through looking at the ring and thinking about the weight that he carries on his shoulders and what it means to be the king of a nation that has been swallowed by the blight which is what makes it his battle against the blight but also Mm -hmm. the thing that he doesn't really want to pull people into like there's a reason why he has not called the golden crane himself which he has every right to and there are people who are literally waiting for this moment to happen Mm -hmm. and but this lady eden she jumps in and does this and so now he's thinking about the gravity of that situation but then we also find out she was his first lover. Yeah. She was Another his... bomb is dropped. Yep. So his car carniera is how I'll say it. Mm-hmm. In the book it says an old saying among among Malkiri men, your car carni <laughs> your carniera <laughs> wears part of your soul as a ribbon in her hair forever. Custom strong it's as so law beautiful. made it so. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> like it's the- such an astute like observation on I mean this this isn't just within, you know, this culture and this story and this book. It's such a great, you know, summary of how we feel as humans mm-hmm. in our lives. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So she is his first lover, which m- like, according to Malkiri custom, and she is Malkiri as well. And this is the woman that's called his banner. Yes. Yeah. She's the one who's been going around the various borderland nations telling people that she's raising the golden crane of uh, Malkir. Oh, I see. You have quoted my favorite quote from this whole, <laughs> from these whole chapters later on i'm just looking at the notes oh good oh, God, i love this one. <laughs> Ooh. so he has a lot happening in his brain our poor land guy here mm-hmm. uh and bukama comes out he finds land in the stable and he asks he's like so what's the plan and yeah. after a brief- isn't he only is he he's not wearing his sword either and he's kind yes. of he's just been kind of freshly laid fluffed up from <laughs> the blue rose woman he, he's all fluffed up yeah i, I pict- think i, I think picture he's... him in like socks and boxers and like a shirt well he's still like tucking his shirt into his pants as... <laughs> yes. i think bukama needed this i think he did too welcome back to the borderlands bukama <laughs> okay <laughs> I love that you're fanning yourself. <laughs> you can't see me. My face is so hot. <laughs> anyway, so um, they begin to head back to the tavern room where they're like, "We let's go have a chat and kind of figure out what we're going to do. But of course, as they're walking out into the courtyard, there's six men approaching them. 
And Bukama has made this pledge to the captain of the guard or whoever that he will not raise a sword. Yep. He's like, he is out of the game. And so lands like at your ass back in the stable and shut the door. And I'm apparently. Yeah. What I love too is he meant, they mentioned that Lan had never commanded Bukama like this ever before. Yeah. And when Lan gives him this, gives him this command to go back inside Bukama has this really quick hesitation, like, wait, what? And yep. then he's like, yes. What he says, I think he uses a he says royal... o- <clears throat> He says, obey me, or obey me, armsman. And uh, let's see here. I know I have it. Oh, he says, my life is yours, Deshan. Deshan? He said in a thick voice, I obey. Like, <sighs> yeah. Like, Lan has never addressed him in this way before, and not, like, as in a way of dressing him down, but almost in a way to, like, punch home how severe it is for him to, like, get the fuck out of there. Yeah, like, follow my orders right the fuck now. Get inside. And, I mean, Lan is about to face six six armed men on his own. Six. And they're in the borderlands. So what are the chances that these guys don't know how to use their weapons? Right? So he's basically telling Bukama to go shut himself away where he can do jack shit. And Lan's like, I'm probably going to die now. Yeah. this That's mm-hmm. probably what's going to happen. Okay. And how, we go. And, how and, and this is right after we learn someone has called his banner. Yeah. So can you imagine what's going through his mind right now? Someone's about to go fight his war for him. And he's like, I guess I'm going to die because of these six a-holes that want to rob me or something like yeah. in the middle of some little town like oh man and i i it's it's a possible assassination attempt as well right like isn't that oh, the thought? definitely this yeah. is definitely yeah that, this that's, was my thought immediately yeah like these guys have heard he's in the city there are orders floating around out there somewhere if you see lan grab your boys and go take care of business so that's like anyway but yeah, but we had learned when they come in, everyone's staring at them. And he yeah. just thinks like, oh, it's because we're wearing the Hidori, which mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, but it's not something that people see anymore. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, who's to say that there are not, you know, hits out for them? You know, some someone wants him dead and they're already spreading rumors that he is dead. Mm-hmm. So how convenient would it be if like he was only seen for a minute and at some inn by a bunch of irreputable comment commoners like so i mean mm-hmm. yeah anyway so um do do, do yeah <laughs> so lan gets ready to get to business and the book says time slowed flowed like cool honey jesus christ this is my favorite this gave me chills when i was reading it me too because this is so, so accurate. Have it, you ever been like in a car accident or something? And in one of these moments, this happened to me once. I was driving on the highway. And do you know, like, if you go over a bridge, sometimes there will be black ice. Yeah. I hit black ice. Ooh. And when I hit my brakes, my car started spinning and I overcorrected so it went left and right and left and right really, really quick. And yeah. I felt the car start to wobble. And yeah. I thought, I'm going to flip. It's going to flip. You know, I felt wheels coming up. And this happened for maybe 
two seconds, you know, and I can, I can remember thinking like, in this very moment, I saw everything in slow motion. And I was just like, well, I guess that's it. I guess that's how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) But for them to write time slowed, flowed like cool honey. I was just thinking, oh, that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. The imagery. And it's beautiful. And for that to be the setting of what's going to take moments, like if it were a physical action, like <sighs> it would really be, especially the way that this ends up happening. So, of course, land being land and the way that this chapter is, only in stories did one man face six without injury. Only in stories did one man, man face six and survive. God. And, so right? Good. <laughs> it's so good. I just enjoyed I enjoyed the way that words were just so beautifully used throughout this whole chapter. Like, this is why I love reading. I feel like this had to have been edited down and edited down into this just perfect piece of literature yeah it's so good it's really it's really well done i there should everybody should read this anybody who hasn't agreed standing ovation robert jordan and your editor isn't his wife his editor i think so yeah that's so sweet i always love like the the to my harriet with love like someone write me a book I'll get right on that. Thanks, Tracy. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, of course, this is Lan. So, if you are one of those people who enjoys the sword play that happens in the Wheel of Time series, the read this chapter alone. It's like candy. It's so good. Like, oh, it's it's so good. Can I can I mention all the sword forms used? Oh yes. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we've got time slowed, flowed like cool honey, and then it's repeated again later on. Time like cool honey, mm-hmm. soft rain at sunset. He uses the rose unfolds. And then dancing his way towards death, time like cool honey, dandelion in the wind, kissing the adder. Good God, man. <laughs> it's just so good. It's just I can't so get over good. it. I've enjoyed I, every moment of it. Yes, yes. I, I mean, I, our, our chapters up to this have been enjoyable, for sure. But there was almost this, like, calm, measured pace to it. Like, this... And What I do mean, they say? First half of a book? Yes! It has to be. <laughs> do we have mm-hmm. to... Do we need to attach that video in every one of our show notes? I think we should. <gasps> I'm doing that. Robert, I'm going to be getting in touch with you to ask you if I can just link that. Because it's so perfect. It's so accurate. It's so... Uh, Andrew's on chapter. Robert, poor Robert's like <laughs> these broads just won't shut up about me. <laughs> oh yes, I'm sure he's miserable about it. <laughs> he deserves recognition for his magnificent sense of humor and ability to make things that have made me laugh so hard 
just watching them. Like Yeah, for everyone listening, we're talking about our buddy Robert that makes memes and there's one that he shared on I think Instagram and Facebook, but oh god, it's so good. <laughs> we should pin that to the top of our Twitter pages. That's what we should do. Okay, we'll figure that out later. It's 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 just too good. So Lan being Lan dances his way through death, of course. And he takes all six of these douchebags out. Like Yeah, he's like he cuts one guy in the eye, one guy gets his arm chopped off, and mm-hmm. before he knows it, he's looking around and he's just like, Oh, they're all dead. <laughs> But he took some pretty grievous um, injuries as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, you know, he didn't come out unscathed. No, no. But he de- like there definitely is no fear for him being able to survive his injuries. In fact, like people start pouring out from the back of the inn and Lyra, Miss, I'm going to honor you until you can't walk straight. She's going to sew him up. Yeah, yeah, she's just like looking at it. Like, it's no big deal. It's like, oh, I'll take care of that. Like, you're fine. But in the process, Ryan, his friend, shows up, and there's speculation that these men have been sent on behalf of Eden to kill him, and that it's peculiar that this should okay. happen after the the raising of the Golden Crane. Um, and he says, with you dead, she could be El... Eden, which I'm assuming means the queen. The queen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so after this, they determine that there's no sitting around for them any longer. Those few days of rest are no longer an option, and they're going to take off. And Ryan decides to join them. Join. Yeah. Like he's like, "What? A, I I don't really have a whole heck of a lot going on right now, and this looks like it might be fun." And I mean, Ooh, adventure. Lan riding off into the sunrise with his two oldest and best friends. What could go wrong? Mm-hmm. So the chapter ends with Lan thinking to put his hand on the banner and abandon what he had promised himself all those years ago or to stop her if he could. Either way, he had to face Eden. The blight would have been much easier. Dang. So Lan definitely has some feelings around this woman. Mm-hmm. Can I jump right into conspiracy land? Uh, quickly, because <laughs> yeah, um, because I or I definitely break need time. To use... Let's do okay. Let's do that. <laughs> we we we've been recording for an hour, so okay. this is the perfect place to to grab grab a break and place our ad. Perfect. Awesome. I will okay. call you. Okay. Shall we? Shall we? No, no let's talk about we? cemeteries. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not Arthur. <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> should we? Let's put this puzzle oh, together. Oh, yeah, should we? Should, should we? we? Not shall that's, we. That's his thing. It's so cute. He says some really cute things. Should but we? should we? Conspiracy? <laughs> yes, we should. <laughs> Yay. Okay, I, you, were, you were so amped up. I want to I hear Yeah, this. I hope I can. I, I hope I'm still at that level. Okay. So, this guy, this guy, this this freaking guy, Errol, Errol, I don't know, how, or no, Rain, Rain. Yes, Ryan, 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 Rain. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan. Ryan makes just makes me think of like feta cheese. Isn't that what it, it stays in? Is is a Ryan? Is that right? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I or have no Brian? Clue. 
whatever. But we could segue into cheese making. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it would actually be really appropriate for one of our Discord channels, you it know. Would. So it would. we'll talk about that later because that's sure. really fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so, so Ryan. Ryan, okay. He at the end of chapter 16, he makes this comment about, you know, I think Lady Eden or whoever, he kind of makes the comment that she's up to something shady. Yep. And this being one of Lan's, like, best friends out of, you know, there's not a lot of people from Malkir left. Mm -hmm. So for him to actually have a good friend that has a connection to Malkir, it's something important. It's exceptional. Yeah, and him being Malkier, he should have this really high honor standard Mm -hmm. that we see, like, with Lan and Bukama. But for him to say something mildly disrespectful about this Lady Eden kind of put me off guard. Mm -hmm. And for one, like, he's just announcing it to everyone. Around everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... You don't talk about, like, a liege woman that way. You don't Mm -hmm. just throw that out there and be like, oh, she's making a stupid decision or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it kind of got me to thinking, like, okay, so I'm going to put a pause on this for Ryan and go all the way back to chapter one, The Hook, Mm -hmm. where... Lan is fighting the Aiel and someone makes this um, military strategic decision where they're going to do this hammer and anvil tactic. And it was essentially setting Lan up in this position where he, his men would be like on the killing end of mm-hmm. this, you know, strategy. Mm-hmm. So they put him in a really difficult place and then right before this battle is supposed to happen, they blow a bunch of horns notifying the Aiel of like where everyone's position is, which does not make any sense in the scheme of this whole battle. Nope. And then as luck has it, the Aiel just kind of walk away and everyone's like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. So the Aiel were just like, hey, on a line, what's up? And then walk <laughs> off. So Lan got so, so lucky here. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading this, I thought, I almost felt like this was a setup, like someone was going to try and kill Lan. Like it mm. just felt like they were pushing him in this place to where he would die in battle and it would be like, well, that sucks. But he just got lucky and the Aiel left uh-huh. and that was it. And here's this next situation. Six cutthroats come attack him. And he, as luck would have it, didn't even have someone to fight with him because Bukama had taken this oath. And he miraculously makes it out alive. Only in so, stories. Only yeah, in only stories. in stories. So it, it almost looks like someone is trying to kill Lan. Like, it almost looks like someone is gunning for him to just die. Mm -hmm. And for one, it doesn't make any sense to me because I I would understand someone wanting to be the king or queen and having that position. But Mm -hmm. the king or queen of Malkier, Mm -hmm. all their duty is is to fight the blight. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even if you do distinguish yourself and you're, you know, on this 
level of royalty within Malkir, how much how much can you possibly I mean, I guess you could do it for the money and gain some properties out of it mm-hmm. and whatnot. But it, I mean, it, it kind of just seems sense free, in my opinion. But anyways, back to <laughs> Ryan. Mm-hmm. This guy is talking shit about this lady, Edith, mm-hmm. Eden, Edith, Eden. 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 And he's doing it in front of a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So I almost feel like he's trying to plant this idea that she's untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. And he makes it way too obvious. Like, hey, like maybe she's just trying to do something mm-hmm. kind of uh, sneaky, you know. And I feel like Lan would be able to see through this guy's bullshit. It does. It, just, it does take him aback, though. Right. Like it does. When, he when makes it, the thought. Mm-hmm. Like when he's when he's hanging out and he's talking, like when this hap when this moment happens, there's some sort of reference. Like the only reason that Ryan got away with making that statement in such a public place was that he was Lan's close friend, but right. it was still barely unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, I just, I almost, I'm not sure, I, I feel like there is kind of, like, a whodunit, you know? Like, there's a mystery. Someone's yeah. trying to, someone's trying to kill Lan. We don't know who's in on it, but at this point, I feel like it has to be, I, I don't think it's Bukama. No. No. I don't think it's Bukama, but I think it has someone, t- it has It's probably to be the someone- fucking Black Aja. I mean but seriously think about it like who else is like in every kingdom that would be able to pull the strings of nobility to do something like that was the whole fall of Malkier it was from dark friends like that was the whole reason that Malkier got destroyed in the first place they had to take their resources away from I don't know so like Obviously, they have to have a boundary, a border against the blight. And they started taking down those borders to help defend themselves against an outlying um, enemy. And then they were open on one side. So they were tricked over by dark friends, got into war, and then attacked by, like, (laughs) shadow spawn. (laughs) So, I mean, the whole country was just destroyed because of dark friends, basically, Mm -hmm. from within. So it's, I mean, who can say? Is it someone, is it a dark friend? Is it Black Aja? Is it Eden? Is it Rain? We don't know. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we're experiencing another one of these conspiracy chapters. And Mm -hmm. I just love that. I love Mm -hmm. thinking and who could it be? Who could it be? (laughs) You do love a good mystery. I do. Yeah. Let's see here. What do we have in our discussion notes? Um, The main thing that I, the first thing that I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about was Canloom, the city that they're actually in. Mm -hmm. Because we don't get to see a lot of like point of views from within the borderlands, Mm -hmm. borderlands. And it's located in Candor, but it's positioned on a main road, which is a main trading route to Candor's capital, mm-hmm. Chashin, Chashin, Chashin. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it's in the hills and it's defended by all these thick walls. And despite it not being a capital, it's still pretty wealthy because it's on this trade route. Mm -hmm. But it's also like really dangerous because as chapter 16 is titled The Deep, like, I mean, it's (laughs) it's just kind of shady. Yeah. yeah, Cut Purse is willing to go after uh, Lan and or Bukama seem highly foolish. Maybe maybe that's just me. (laughs) No, I totally agree. (laughs) And it's previously mentioned that Canlum has never been breached by Trollocs. Yeah. So, like, this sounds like a really sturdy, defensive place where they take military and defense really seriously. Very seriously. But for there to be, you know, all of these... Um, murders going on and talk of shadow spawn. Mm-hmm. Now I'm wondering, you know, the like the city's on edge. Yeah, like what's going on here? So are we seeing something bigger? Is this something that's going through the borderlands as a whole? Mm-hmm. Or is this just like a rumor mill mm-hmm. situation where people are on edge because it's rumors and it's mm-hmm. not, nothing's really actually happening, but. You know, it makes you wonder, like, is there something greater going on here? Yeah. 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 And um, I think we did talk about this kind of. We touched on it a little bit earlier. But when Lana's thinking about being back in the borderlands, he makes this quote. And this is like, this hurts my heart. Mm. Um, The blight meant death to most men. Death in the shadow in a rotting land tainted by the dark one's breath where anything at all could kill. An insect bite, a prick of the wrong thorn, a touch of the wrong leaf, a boat of trollocs and merdral and worse. Two tosses of a coin were decided where to begin new. Four nations bordered the blight, but his war covered the length of it. From the Arath Ocean to the spine of the world, one place to meet death was as good as another. He was almost home almost back to the blight. He had been away too long. Can you imagine that being your thoughts of your homeland? Mm -hmm. Like, this is, like, I'm getting, like, weepy. (laughs) Like, can you imagine having nothing, having your whole country and everyone that, you know, was a part of you and your homeland? Everyone and everything is gone. Mm -hmm. And that's all he has left is this fucking oath that he has to go back and fight back for this you know for this country that's just ruined there's mm-hmm. nothing left so i yeah. mean what what is this war what is what is he fighting for so i think this you know like we get a really good and depth look at lan and his inner you know turmoil and mm-hmm. this is why he's so outwardly kind of just um like stone-faced restrained you know? yeah he doesn't show very much emotion and whatnot and we get this crazy, you know, quote here. And then on the flip side, we get these hilarious, like, endearing, like, sexual yes. <laughs> moment. And it's just like, <laughs> it's so well, or so well-rounded. Mm-hmm. And it's so under the surface. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. to, be, to yeah. be able to peek underneath the, what we are always told is this really... Like, how often is he refer- referred to as, like, Moraine stone-faced warder, you know? Right, like, but he's so much more. But he's just, he's this really complex, and it, it, 
I feel as though this also helps to understand the name that the Aiel have given to him and why he would have the reputation among the Aiel that he has. He's held in high esteem among the Aiel. It, and it's like somehow everyone he meets, they know who he is and they give him, was it I? You always say it better than I do. On a line. On a line. Yeah. Like one man who is a nation, one man as a nation or something yeah. along those lines yeah. is what the translation of it is. And it makes so much more sense looking at it. But there's this reputation that goes along with who he is that I find simply fascinating and sad. Right. He has such a tragic tragic story and this all goes back to like oh my god this all goes back to um what what book is it is it towers of midnight where Mm -hmm. the where they start where nine eve goes oh my god she's recruiting men for him and she tells everyone you know like you probably maybe you won't not you won't you might not recognize him but you'll recognize his horse and he starts He's telling everyone to just basically fuck off and leave him alone. And they're like, oh, no, we're not following you. We're just camping behind you. You know what I mean? (laughs) So he's, you know, building up this army without trying to. And he's so upset because, I mean, what's he going to do? Go? He thinks he's going to go fight the blight alone. Mm -hmm. And, oh, God, that's such, I don't know. I I think everyone who's read the books when they read that, you know, chapter that paragraph it was just like a punch to the gut like I cried when I read it hands down I bawled (laughs) Nynaeve going around and like spreading the word that Mm -hmm. Lan was coming back and like what that reaction did and what it rippled into like was so there was so much even though it was it's a book there's a soundtrack like playing in my head that goes along with this and like just the image of her being Nynaeve and She's, I mean, and the one of the things that I, I think is frequently forgotten but is mentioned on a, re, on a mostly regular basis is Nynaeve's a relatively slight person. Mm-hmm. She's not very tall. She's very slender. She's a relatively petite human being. But. And <laughs> she is this mighty force of will and character and strong she's like a bonfire like that quote from Moraine where she Mm -hmm. compares um Egwene's channeling ability to Nynaeve's and she says one is like a lit candle and the other is like a bonfire and that's Mm -hmm. what I think of when I think of Nynaeve she's just like what's so funny and it's she's just like this raging storm within but all of that focus and energy that she has she just wants it towards healing and helping people mm-hmm. and it's such like a <laughs> it's, it's such like an ironic thing that she's just she's she's she can be she was so angry and mm-hmm. just pissed at the world and just you know internally angry at herself for not being able to control you know her channeling mm-hmm. but she just wants it to do good is the thing she just wants to take care of the people that she cares about and it's mm-hmm. just like oh fuck Nynaeve she's she's such a good person <laughs> and I found something kind of I don't know I think this is kind of funny though 
But if you, um, so land mandragoran, mm -hmm. if you take the N away, it's mandragora, mm. which is actually like Latin for mandrake, mm. which is like nightshade, like the herb that you would use like the roots to make like a poison out of. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so funny because Lan is how many times is he like referred to as like death walking? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like um, like Mandragora, like obviously is this like deadly toxic plant. Mm -hmm. And then he ends up with a healer. <laughs> it's so sweet. And I, I wonder if like Robert Jordan knew what he was doing when he came up with that name Mandragoran because that's just too funny. That is actually brilliant. Isn't I that? Haven't, yes, I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that before. It's crazy. Uh, that's kind of perfect. Land and naive. That actually, so maybe maybe this is a, a place to put it. Like one of the things that I kept wondering about is how old is Lan? Because there's the whole Lan and Nynaeve being a thing thing, and they have this like fairly large age gap. Yeah. And so I like went in and found something on Reddit. How, how old, old is Lan supposed to be? <laughs> yeah. But in in their question, and this is. This is the question that I kept wondering as well. I don't understand. Like, if I think this is supposed to be Malkair is destroyed 30 to 50 years ago, he's got to be 31 to 51 by the start of the series. But that's a huge gap. And he's at first described as old enough to be Nynaeve's dad. In A New Spring, it also seems like he's not a young man. I like to imagine him as just a 55-year-old, incredibly <laughs> fit guy who can still outfight anyone, but just wanted to know if there's a definitive answer. And so, of course, like people weighed in, and this person's answer is he's 46 when he arrives in the Two Rivers. He's 26 when he becomes Moraine's warder. And one of the things this person also added on here, the water bond grants extra vitality and good health. True, true, true. Yeah, and this on top of Lan already being a very fit man, he looks somewhat younger than he is, which I can see. see. Like, That's I a mean, really good point. Think about, think about like, so this is, this is the unfortunate thing about biology and female biology versus, versus male biology is that men have a tendency if they take good care of themselves to just still look incredibly good when they get older without too like, much effort. Yeah. Like a little bit of like a little bit of lines around the eyes and some salt and pepper grays. Like, come yeah. on. Like I'm, that's nothing. All it's right. It's still hot. <laughs> yeah. Totally okay with that. Like uh, Aiden showed me yesterday, apparently Jeff Goldblum redid. Still hot. Did Still you hot. see that he redid the Jurassic Park pose where he's like wearing the all black outfit and his shirt no, is like kind of gaping open? No, but I just watched open. him on a. I think it was a a movie on Netflix that was like recent, and I was like, "Yep, still mm. hot." Yeah, but he he redid that photo, and I mean, it's been like twenty years, <laughs> and Aiden was like, "Look at this man," and I was like, "That is well <laughs> That's done, <Jeff> Goldblum." <laughs> <laughs> right? So I can easily see, I can easily see Nynaeve, who is, as we can, we can attest to, mature for her age, mm -hmm. with a lot of responsibilities on her shoulders, an extreme sense of self-possession, and, like, 
you can see where she would be attracted to Lan, and Lan would certainly be attracted to her. Right, um, especially after he's explaining his relationship with Eda, Eden mm-hmm. and how these, how Bukama is basically like accost, accosted by like kisses and punches <laughs> by this woman. Like we see like how feisty and how like aggressive these women can be. Mm-hmm. So I almost feel like when he met Nynaeve, it felt like home for him. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, because that's just how she is. She's gonna tell you like this is how things are supposed to be done. I'm gonna mm-hmm. tell you right now, and if you say anything against it, you're wrong. And <laughs> I'm sure he just thought like in his head like now that's a woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Good point. Good point. I agree. So I so I think pe- that question get asked gets asked a lot. Like how old is Lan and what is the age gap between? Him yeah. and Nynaeve. And, I mean, I get it, but I, Nynaeve isn't a teenager. She's at yeah. least 24. So, I mean, I always yeah, told Aiden, please don't t- get married until you're 25. <laughs> I think that that's, like, at least 25 is a good point. You have an idea. Wait until yeah. then. And I think, too, there's something about Nynaeve where she's like, I just want to have gray hair. I just want to be taken seriously. <laughs> I just, you know, she doesn't want to be seen as a child. Nope. I don't. I don't think there's anything that pisses her off more. And that's like when we first meet her. Moraine accidentally calls her <laughs> child, and she about you know her braid bristled. <laughs> yeah. she about ripped her braid out. But I don't know. I think too, for everyone for everyone listening, do you if there's a spot within the books that explains if warder's age like mm-hmm. the rest of you know society because we know that i said i have you know their ageless faces but are warders actually also well, a part that, of this i mean that thing from the from the reddit thread said something about it um like them having extra vitality and good health so i would imagine that their lifespan is probably extended i doubt they live as long as a sister does though right right i agree that's interesting anyway so lan is 26 and the other things that we get out of like the other way for figuring out his age actually in this chapter is him talking about how him and eden hooked up for the first time when he was 16 and she was over she was half again his age 30 so she she would have been like 32 33 um and it had been a 10-year time span between that happening and the moment we find ourselves in when he's going Mm -hmm. through this this whole process so at that point we know he's 26 and i didn't i didn't like put all of that together until after i had found that reddit thread yeah so i think it's good to know what his age is at this point because Personally, I think that's a that's a that's a good age to be. Mm-hmm. Get it, Lan. Let's see what's gonna happen. <laughs> so Lan is always recognized wherever he is. Mm-hmm. In fact, in in the hook when like the the Tyrion soldier shows up and he's disrespectful and Lan's like, this man has no manners and it's irritating to him. He could almost have pulled out the whole "Do you know who I am, dummy?" Mm-hmm. Like. And and so like because he's everywhere he goes, he's instantly recognized. People are like, 
we will fight for you and there is a place for you here but could you imagine the amount of stress stress on bukama that would be knowing that like (laughs) you gotta protect this guy like from day Mm -hmm. one he carried baby lan on his back and he is still just like slogging away yeah and if someone disrespects lan in the slightest bukama is ready to cut him down yeah that's how serious he is Mm -hmm. and he's referred to as the hero hero of uh somar somarin something or another salmarna salmarna yeah there it is it's in our notes um but I tried to kind of look into that, and there's really nothing on it. It just says that it's a it was a major battle fought in the borderlands. But it's just interesting that both of them have this reputation that makes them almost instantly recognizable wherever they go, especially in the borderlands in particular. And just, I mean, you said it earlier too, like how badass are the fucking borderlanders? Like, there's the the Malkiri oath to find his ongoing quest to stand against the shadow so long as iron is hard and stone abides to defend the Malkiri while one drop of blood remains to avenge what cannot be defended. Yeah. I mean... They are just... (laughs) We, we, I always think of the Aiel as the hardest, the strongest, the best fighters, but after reading, you know, a little bit more of New Spring... I I feel like I have to go with the Borderlanders. I Mm -hmm. mean, and what's crazy is there's almost this respect Mm -hmm. between the Aiel and the Borderland where they kind of, like, give props to each other, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, they're both in these really inhospitable areas, and they have to face life with a totally different point of view than other characters within the Wheel of Time. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the reasons why I feel like Fael gets shit on so often and they're like, oh, she's just super annoying. Okay, yeah, she can be annoying. I get it. She's a (laughs) child Mm -hmm. and she's from the Borderlands. So can you imagine growing up telling yourself death is lighter than a feather, duty or heavier than a mountain? Mm-hmm. Like you grow and live every day knowing that it could be your very last day on this earth. So you yep. just go at it at full speed. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I kind of, you know, I kind of want to say that these people might be my favorite in the series just mm-hmm. because of what they have to contend with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that they're they're kind of like that that moment of defense against the the bad things in the blight. Like right. So and this so, is gonna yeah. Next uh, week we're doing Shadow Spawn, which is perfect. But yeah, go ahead, go ahead, see what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just think about how Rand and Matt and everybody. For them, when the Madral shows up and when the Trollocs attack, those things aren't real to them. Like, those are myths in a story. And the reason why they're myths in the story is because the Borderlands are hanging out, keeping as much as they can in the Blight itself. And when they're when they're first coming to Feldara and they're walking through the villages and things and they find places that are empty, like, it's not necessarily shocking 
to the Borderlander soldiers because they're like, well, this just is what happens. Like sometimes when the winters are bad, a whole village of people will go missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're just, there's always the sense of danger. There's always this threat. And it's not, it's not just the environment. Like the Aiel, their threat is the environment that they live in. Like Yeah, they live no in a water. Very, no water, really inhospitable, hard to grow things. And like they do a lot of fighting with each other. Internally, so, yeah. Yeah, but for the Borderlanders, they're fighting against this massive force of evil that if they let slip will potentially like spread throughout the entire country. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, Rand's like... I wish I was on my farm growing tobacco with my dad, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, I, it's Saldea, Candor, Arafel, Shinar, and Malkir. But, okay, so up until Malkir turned to ruins, Shinar wasn't really a thing. But there's yeah. a few things that they all have in common. They mm-hmm. both have 100% mil- military lifestyle mm-hmm. because you have to. You have to. You've got these, you know, crazy ass creatures from the blight that are just monsters of death. Mm-hmm. And they're all strong. All of these people have to be very strong soldiers. But the thing that I think is really important is they all have this shared view that humankind has to stand together against the shadow. Yeah. And they're all bordering the blight. So, I mean, they've just got dead, dry land, poisonous waters, and monsters <laughs> everywhere. So, yeah, I mean, the so really going, yeah. Going and, fighting, going and fighting the Aeol really was just like, oh, okay, I guess. Yeah, it was like a vacation for <laughs> land, I guess. I mean, obviously, there were still dangers. It was still a dangerous thing to undertake. Right. right. But it was definitely like probably almost a would reprieve. You, yeah. Would you rather fight hordes of Trollocs or, you know, the Aiel? I, I wouldn't want to fight either. No, but, no. Given a choice. But, no. But the Aiel aren't going to eat you afterwards <laughs> alive. Good point. Good point. Uh, so thank you, Borderlanders, for all you do. For keeping the nation <laughs> safe. Yeah. Um, so in Chapter 16, when we were talking about the whole, like, him pacing around in the the stable yard, like, he mm-hmm. was like, is she that afraid of a man wearing a hidori? Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to me that this the hidori – and then he also says about how the Aes Sedai – were drawn to men wearing a hidori and mm-hmm. that sometimes they would take them as warders without even asking. So, yeah. like, this seems like such a... And it's every time Bukama sees someone who's not wearing a, a hidori who doesn't have their hair the way that they're supposed to, like, he wants to lose his shit on these people because this is such an important part of what it means to be Malkiri. But I don't really know, like... What does it mean? Like, what does it mean to be Malakiri? Are you just a badass because that's think, how you were? Well, it's just, you know, that's, there's a, I don't, I don't remember where, if it's on the wiki or if it was somewhere else that I read it, but they get two things like when they become a man. 
Mm-hmm. And one is a sword, but more importantly is the Hidori. And they get it, I think, on their 16th, 15th birthday. I think you're And right. that's like a sign that you have become a man. And it's really, really important for their culture because this is how you, I would assume this is how you distinguish whether or not you're allowed to fight. So I think, you know, from one day you're a child and then till the next day you're fighting Trollocs and that's Mm. just how it is. So I would assume like it's just a sign of strength. And there was a quote, I don't remember in which chapter it was, but it was some people think men who wear the Hidori will kill at the drop of a pin. Mm. So... I also think some of these people within Canloom, they see these two men wearing Hidoris and they think, uh-oh, like, you know, it's like when people see Aiel, like, wearing a veil, like, uh-oh, you know? Oh, yeah, good point, good point. So I guess if they aren't familiar with people from Malkir, they've just heard stories, and let's be honest— nobody's wearing the Hidori anymore. So Mm -hmm. it it would be like seeing, you know, being from (laughs) like being from like us in Indiana and seeing an elephant roaming Mm -hmm. wild and just being like, what the (laughs) fuck is that? You know, like very, very strange. But you would think everyone would kind of know what it is and what Mm -hmm. it means. I mean, you would think, right? It would just be shocking to see. I think so. And I think that's one of the reasons why maybe Lan and Bukama are so distinguishable is that they still wear it. And so, like... Yeah, even these other people that claim to be Malkiri don't wear it anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, that's... Okay, cool. Because, like, I just feel as though it's something that gets... We get it pointed to a lot. And that's the other thing that is kind of pointing to a lot as like a symbol of something that there's like the gold signet ring um mm-hmm. yeah and that's like the one that land later on gives to Nynaeve and the one that she carries with him and like yeah it was cool knowing that land gave Nynaeve his signet ring blah 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 but, but then we didn't know you... what it meant exactly and so for him to like give that to her that? See, I didn't. When I read that, I was just like, "Okay, he gave her a ring, so it was exactly. just like a, court, a courting, you know, ritual or something." Like mm-hmm. how in our culture, when you get married, before you get married, you give someone a ring. Like that's exactly. all I thought it was. But no, this is like <laughs> this ring is thousands of years old and belonged to the kings of Malkier. Holy mm-hmm. shit! Mm-hmm. And she's just like off and about like, well, he gave me this ring, but he's kind of being a dick about it and he's still off doing his <laughs> thing. And it's like, Nynaeve, no. Do you know what you have? <laughs> we do. We do now. Yeah. I like how things that you wear, things like that, have a level of symbolism to them. So I thought I really liked getting it. And it was only a paragraph. Like it was just a small paragraph and it just gave so much context to so many things because I mean how often do we read about the gold signet ring and Nynaeve wearing it or Mm -hmm. having it in her pocket it's just it's never far from her even after they're married she's still wearing Mm -hmm. the the signet ring so the Hidori and then the ring were the two kind of like objects that kind of stood out to me from 
are reading. Oh, you have your Cody. Oh, the the is it Cody or Kodai? Kodai? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. However you like it. I Kodai is what comes to my to my mind, but it's relation to the void, like the oneness that Rand pulls in what Tam teaches Rand for shooting mm-hmm. arrows and then he uses later on for learning to practice the sword and then moving from there to channeling and I think about Lan's reaction to Rand knowing it in the first book and what that was like. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the connection that Lan and Rand have around the void and the oneness and that that is Lan's place of finding peace. I thought that that was... It's a nice callback. It is. I enjoy... I I appreciated that. And uh, the other... <laughs> this was... We kind of touched on this earlier, as the, how, like, I had not really thought about Lan as a ladies' man before. <laughs> he is. He's so Dang. is. Dang. <laughs> like, this, this Lyra chick is all... But, but like, not jumping on him in the midst of the tavern while everybody is there like she's very blatant in what she wants and at the same time Lan talks about how like his his narrative around this is this is just what women in the borderlands do yeah like I guess that's just what they're like right yeah I mean that's just the thing yeah and for him to say what he said about like he would not be shy and retiring once they were alone together, but that it was her choice when to leave and when to stay. And I think that that's another thing that Jordan does well is female characters. I appreciate the female characters and the roles that he give that he gives them and how like there's Dear always Avianda, there's always a lot of agency there. Yeah, I mean, I love how. Avienda will frequently be like, what is she, milksop wetlander women, and like how often she refers to them that way, but then as she's actually getting to know Elaine and... She's like, you're the strongest person I've ever met. Yeah, and when they're in Ibu Dar, and like Ibu Dar in particular, the, the level of violence a woman is allowed to display against her husband to mm-hmm. me is even shocking and but I love that this is a culture he has created in the book and it's just it's nice like I think it allows us to see so often that there's duality in mm-hmm. being yeah and that's the thing like you you don't have to agree or disagree with it Mm-hmm. It's just like observing, like you said, the duality of this world because mm-hmm. it, it is different. I don't think that he wrote it with the intent to be like, this is the way things should be, mm-hmm. but this is just a, the way things in this world are and it's just different. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a lot to think about because, I mean, as I'm reading, just like Eden, when he's talking about how after you're with your first lover they're they cut the man the man's hair off yeah and they oh, I forgot she, about that and she basically just kind of like parades him around for 10 years as her lover you know mm-hmm. and she's she cut his hair so it's just kind of it, it is this sense of being kind of the aggressor and then like mm-hmm. you said with man's land saying she'll decide you know 
when she stays and when she leaves Mm -hmm. and like having that agency given to just these women it's so funny it's so different Mm -hmm. so different and it's really nice to see because I mean really it should be there should be consent right right and to give to give that to women in this in this storyline when it's not something that we see as often as we should in our own society, like, almost feels like, well, if you can write about it, we can make it possible, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And this was written, you know, not this, you know, year or anything. So no, I do do think it's pretty progressive for Mm -hmm. the time. I agree. And empowering in some ways. Like, when I was... When I was a, a teenager, I mean, if you're going to daydream about being something, why not daydream <laughs> about being a powerful Aes Sedai? Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah. But then yeah. I realized the White Tower sucks. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Yay, shit. And I mean, there's... <laughs> and it's not to say that there aren't situations within the books. I mean, there are some things that are a little bit... Prop- they're problematic. Mm-hmm. But... I'm willing to focus on the things that give me, you know, that I find nice and progressive and happy. I agree. Let's focus on the good. Yeah. (laughs) So, oh, I already, so we already talked about, we've already kind of talked about the, the formidable female characters and whatnot and the structures and customs Mm -hmm. of the borderlands. So are there any other things in like the... I did not. Chapters? Yeah, I did not do any like dark friend hunting on this one. No, I didn't either. Um, but I think the only thing that I did want to say, and it had to do with Lan, is the four things that he carries with him. Oh yeah, okay. I think this is a nice like stopping point mm-hmm. as well but it says that he he carries four things he has a signet ring that's mm-hmm. like three thousand years old probably who knows um <laughs> his locket that has photos of his parents in them mm-hmm. so i don't know did they have photography in the wheel of time or is it a painting maybe i don't know i'm gonna bet i'm going to bet they're little miniatures like little minute I am I am yeah that's like that's actually like a historical thing that people used to do is make little tiny tiny paintings yeah so he's got his ring his locket his sword which was given to him and his oath Mm -hmm. so like this is just a man of honor and duty and I love the levity that we get with this these chapters where there is some kind of, you know, fun little things happening. And then at the same time, we get these really heavy mm-hmm. quotes about Malkir and all of his duty. And so, yeah, I think that <laughs> these were just great chapters. Mm-hmm. Hands down, probably my favorite so far. Yeah, they were super enjoyable to read. And they just... That bar scene, like, you can just see it. You can just feel it. Like, it right? was just so It was so well done. It was just beautiful. 
and this the guy, what's his name again? Which one? I can hear your church bells. <laughs> oh shit. Oh no, it's okay. Whatever. I I, I don't care. <laughs> Land's friend. Um Ryan? Ryan, thank you. Mm-hmm. He says <laughs> this is really great. He says six when after he got done like kicking all those guys' oh, asses. Yeah. He's like six. You really do have the dark one's own flaming luck. <laughs> and I had to laugh to myself because it was the same situation with that fight in chapter one in the hook where mm-hmm. they were about to go to war with all these Aiel and the Aiel just kind of were like, nah, we've got something else to do and walk <laughs> off. I'm like, Lan really does have the dark one's flaming luck. That's good point. I underlined that part too because I was just like, <laughs> Check that shit out. So good. So it is, I can tell by how dark your room is that it is getting late. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) When you leaned back in your chair, you just become this white face. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, so I recently started following um, Swan Sanchez uh, at Native Tyrion on Twitter, and I she just posted this the other day. I don't remember when. Well, you this told was, me she's was... just started reading New Spring. Yeah, for the she's first time. Yeah, and so I think yeah, it says New Spring Chapter Two, and her tweet is. Moraine practicing Aes Sedai way of speaking and failing. So cute. P.S. Guitar moment. Chills. I don't know why I was pondering so deeply, but I thought what I'd do if I were Moraine and Swan. It's a huge responsibility. I can't imagine how they felt when they met Rand. Right? Right? When I read that, I had never thought about that before. But, like, how did Moraine not, like, jump up and down and, like... Can you... Doesn't she, doesn't she, when she's finally reunited with Swan, do they embrace or kiss or anything or hug? I feel like they they hug. They have to keep a straight face and pretend to have, you know, distance between them, like mother. Yeah. And then Swan kicks someone out of the room. And then they're like, (sighs) yeah. And then they can talk. But there was never like, this moment of like, I found him, you know, like mm-hmm. I found him. Like, oh, how great will it be to have Moraine's point of view, hopefully during the show when she actually realizes like he's the one. Mm-hmm. It, just, it, it almost feels <sighs> it almost feels glossed over in some ways how momentous it is that this actually happened. Because there were so many things working against someone on the side of the light finding Rand first. So I this this was like it just instantly started me thinking like what was going on in Moraine's head when she realized Rand's the guy and oh by the way to Tavaran along with him and yeah. Hey, they're going to be rowdy and dumb. Have fun with that. (laughs) (laughs) And she's got to keep them all alive. I bet that she was not expecting. No, she probably thought. I bet she was not like. 
I found them. Now the hard work is over. Nope. Yeah. I mean, really, how much easier would it have been for everyone involved if Maureen had, like, found him so much sooner? But, I mean, that's not how things work, you know? Mm-mm. Man, that's Mm-mm. an entirely different storyline. Interesting. You have, an, you have another tweet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I read uh, this one? Yeah. Gregory Lynn at Gregory, Gregor, <laughs> Greg Lynn 9418. <laughs> hey, Twitter of Time, I'm trying to remember something. Is there any talk of being able to turn someone to the light the way it is used, or the way that it is possible to turn someone to the dark? Hmm. Hmm. Right? Like, is is there a way? Are you talking about, like, the 13 Merdral? Yeah, and how they can channel through the Aes Sedai, or the Aes Sedai can channel through the Merdral to turn someone to the shadow. And I was like, what a good question. Like, And so, okay, we're going to hmm. mention Supernatural again because <laughs> hashtag obsessed. Um, <laughs> they, they find a way to use, and hopefully this is, I mean, this is a spoiler section for the Wheel of Time, but now apparently maybe it's a spoiler section for Supernatural. I don't know. They find that using consecrated blood can cure a demon and turn a demon into a human being. So... Are you talking about, would, like, like would there be- the blood of Christ or what? Yeah, apparently, like, if you go into... I mean, this is supernatural, so whatever. But apparently, once you confess and you've gone through confession and your sins have been forgiven, like, your blood is now clean, too. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And so, like, there were... I'm not going to get into a whole lot of details, just... <laughs> Fast forward. Yeah, that's but that's what it made me think of is like in that particular like world for supernatural land, there is a way to turn someone from the dark to to the light. So is there a way? And I am not aware of one being Mm -hmm. in there. And goodness, I should have grabbed replies to see like what other people had thought about this. But I just I was kind of intrigued by that question. That's a really good question. Mm -hmm. I almost wonder like if perhaps in the show if we get to this point where we see the 13 merdral and the change happening Mm -hmm. if we will get someone who's able to heal it Mm. or if they kind of just leave it you know aside for us oh my gosh that's that's Nynaeve's be- next big thing. <laughs> it is. It is. She's going to go after the Aes Sedai who have been turned to the shadow, and she's going to figure out how to turn them back. If there isn't a way, Nynaeve's or, the one who's finding it. Or Flynn, the Ashaman. Oh, good point. Yeah. Because he's, he's a really good healer, too. Maybe they, they, they need to pair up. The Adventures of Flynn and Nynaeve. A healing they will go. Um. <laughs> healing we will go. Um, I think that's all we were. I think that was it. I I just grabbed just a couple of things from Twitter. We've just had such a good time. No, those the are great. Is so it's so fun. And I mean, I don't remember if it was in our recording or not, but like, I think we talked about how awesome Twitter is already. We've yeah. Probably- if we haven't, we've done it before, and we'll do it <laughs> we again do, in the like, future. We do, like, every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. So we should, we should yeah, probably do you wanna be wrap, done. wrap it up? Yeah. I think okay. I think we should do that. Do you want to go first? Do you want me go to go ahead. first? Go ahead. Cool. 
So thanks so much for joining us on this stretch of the road to Tarvalin. We will continue to release new episodes every week. Uh, they are on Wednesdays. Uh, and we hope that you will continue to join us. We would love it if you would subscribe to our podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. So let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things that we might have missed. Our email is roadtotarvalin at gmail, all one word. Or you can find us on Twitter, me, Amber, I'm at Road to Tarvalin, all one word, and Tracy is at Mistress Loras. You should go check her stuff out because if you're not hungry now, you will be. <laughs> we I are really also... like food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're also on Instagram, also Road to Tarvalin. And if you have the Anchor app, you can leave us voice message messages there and we'll use them in upcoming episodes. Just let us know if that's something you're comfortable with. If you don't want to do that, you can contribute with comments and we can read those out for you. Also have a new Discord channel and it's seriously so, 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 so much fun. Mm -hmm. And if you would like to join us on Discord, just shoot us a message on any of our social media platforms and we can send you an invite. Mm -hmm. I think I have one pinned on Twitter. So, yeah, we've got a lot of really great, happy, awesome, fun people. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, the, the Discord community, just like Twitter and Instagram, so good. So good. Yeah. We're pretty excited. And we do, our next recording that we're doing is actually, it's safe to make this announcement, right? We can always edit it out if we need to. Yeah, it'll be, go ahead, go ahead. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are, we got in touch with Rob at uh, Malcare Talks. That's his podcast. He also does stuff on YouTube that involves food, which I am, of course, drawn to um but we we wanted to do a halloween episode like i think we had mentioned it when we were talking about the forsaken that we wanted to do a mm -hmm. podcast on the shadow spawn and rob has this really fun episode that he did about murdral and i seriously had several really good chuckles listening to it but we realized since that he had already done one we might want to like tap him and see if he wants to join us for a conversation so I believe we're, rec we're recording next Sunday, which is the 18th of October, and then this will be released on the 28th of October. Does that mm -hmm. seem the, right? It would be the Wednesday before Oct uh, the Wednesday before Halloween. So yeah, so we're bringing you all of that spooky goodness with mm -hmm. our buddy Rob from Malkyria Ta Talks, and we're so excited. <laughs> it's going to be super fun. Like this yeah. is a first for us, so we're excited that we get to to participate with him and talk about Shadow Spawn together. So I think that's what we've got going on for next week. That's it. So until that's next. It. So until next week. Thanks for joining us. Safe travels and, and walk, walk in the, the light. light. And we're done. Yay. Yay. Another one in the books.